Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the fine folks at Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia, from which all of these panels were recorded at Metatopia 2017. It's also thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers. Now let's get to the show. Episode 176. Do I want to be in the game publishing business? Presented by Michelle Lyons, Daniel Lozon, Pete Petrusha, Lori Brown, and Cam Banks. Join us when he joins us. Uh, all right, so welcome. Would you get the door, please? Yes. Um, I just said love randomly yeah. and expected no, someone to answer. Like. That's right. <laughs> um, welcome to the panel. Do I want to be in the game publishing industry? I am your host today as Meteor. Mediator, not Meteor. Hi, Tess. Not Anne this morning. Hi. I'm Michelle Lyons McFarland. Um, I've been in the industry since 2000, working for various people such as uh, FASA uh, Corporation. I've worked in house at Wizards. Um, I currently have my own company that I co own with my husband called Growling Door Games. Um, and our highest profile thing that we have out currently is Chill Third Edition. Um, to my left uh, <laughs> is Peter Petrusha. Yes. Do you mind giving your. Of course. So. I am on the opposite end of the spectrum, where I created my first game, so I self-published. I'm hoping to brand out into being a publisher myself, which of course is my game company's Imagining Games. So hopefully uh, I will also ask this panel some of the great questions that I see from that viewpoint of having a game and then now trying to see how I can get more games under my catalog and also um, more things that I can offer to sort of begin a brand. To my right, we have Danielle Lauzon. Hi, um, so I've been in the industry since 2008, um, mostly freelance writing, game, then I started doing game design, and then I started kind of like, hey, maybe I should design my own game. Mostly I work uh, for Onyx Path, I've worked for Growling Door, uh, I do work for John Wick Presents, I've done work for Third Eye Games, I've kind of worked around the industry, um, and I am in the processes of thinking about making my own game. Um, and maybe not publishing it myself at all. Instead, shopping it around to a publishing company um, and, and working under the auspices with contract uh, through someone else. Uh, or maybe publishing it myself. I don't know yet. So that's where I am. And that's why she's here. And, and on the I'm end, here. we have the inestimable Maury Brown. <laughs> yeah, the um, hi, I'm Mari. Um, I uh, was in the gaming industry in the late 90s and then went into corporate and education and then came back around. And um, we were primarily, um, at first, a, a LARP organizing com um, company. And we run New World Magiscola and um, a few other games now. And then we did a book publishing branch because we started publishing uh, within the world other IP things and then have moved into a games publishing branch. Snow Dragon Games, and so we just kick-started our first title um, and uh, have two others in the works and are looking for more, but our mission is to try to um, hit particularly um, more women and marginalized game designers um, to promote them further in the industry that is um, awesome, but also still pretty strongly male-dominated. Um, the Board Games Geek Con that's coming up, they've got 31 of 32 uh, submissions are from men. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and so, so, um, so, just encouraging more women to design games and pitch games um, and, and publish. So, but it's a, it's a rough road. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, okay, so, so the name of the panel is really indicative. You know, do I want to be in the game publishing industry? I ask now, myself that every day. Yeah, I know, <laughs> and, and that is separate from do I want to design a game. Right? I think that we can all agree yeah. that these are not the same thing. No. Right? And many people 
don't necessarily understand that when they first start out. They're like, I have a game, I want to get this to market, right? I want other people to be able to partake in my game. And so I will go along this path and figure out what it takes to do that. But somewhere along the way, being a game designer becomes having a game design, game publishing business, right? And having that business is not the same as designing a game. And not everybody wants to go or should go necessarily. There is nothing wrong with opting out early. Um, should go that whole way. Quitters. <laughs> no. Bad Pete, no. Smart um, people. I call them smart people. <laughs> right? So, so what we want to talk about today is kind of how we d made the decisions that got us on our journey. And then take questions from you guys and girls and people. Everyone, everyone. <laughs> we want to take questions from everyone. I can teach you some from, from our mistakes. Yes, which are yes. many. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna go first because I'm the mediator and I can. Um, can we kind of pull the room? I'd like to know where everyone's at, like in the process. Oh sure. Uh, so how many people here have a game that they are currently designing or what to design? Okay, pretty awesome. significant. Yeah. <laughs> how many people? are looking at taking that design to market? Themselves, yeah. Not sure. How many people already have a publishing a publishing company? Yes. How many people are on the do cusp? Define, so do you define publishing company? On the cusp of what? Uh, making that decision whether or not I want to actually like have a business and do all of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have anybody who like crowdfunded but it's not published? Or you know, their first game just went public, but they don't. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. sorry. I was, I was like, oh, nobody. No, Is someone hearing a very loud? Yes. Yes. Word? yes. Yeah. You're not uh -huh. crazy. Do we know what that's from? It sounds from a ventilation. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like the ventilation. All right. So it's not the microphone going crazy. No. Okay. That's fine then. All right. So so we've got a fairly good range of where people are at. Um, Okay, so that's good to know. All right, uh, in my case, I did not want to have a game company uh, for a very long time. I was happy being an editor. Um, oh, and there's Cam, who is our other panelist. Yay, Yay Cam! All right, um, I did not want to have a game company. I was did not especially dream of being a designer. I was happy in my editing and production side of things. Um, really, after I'd been in it a while and I realized that I had a pretty good idea of what book production entailed, um, then I started to think about, yes, I, I do want to actually have a publishing company. I want to be able to publish the kind of things I want to see. I want to be able to work with the kind of people I want to work with. And that has actually led me into design. Uh, so I've started doing more designing since we made that choice, but I didn't start out there. Um, we're going to take a moment. Our fifth panelist, Cam Banks. Cam, would you introduce yourself really quickly? Yes. Um, I'm, hi, I'm Cam. Uh, I am perpetually late to everything, so this is not terribly out of character. Sorry about that. Um, uh, I'm a game designer and writer and um, project manager at Atlas Games. And what I do there is I'm in charge of all the role-playing game uh, publishing, directing, and so forth. Um, prior to that, I worked um, for Margaret Weiss at Margaret Weiss Productions, and so my things that I've done in the past have included a lot of games like Marvel Heroic Role Playing and Leverage and uh, designing Firefly and other things. Right now, most of what I do is bring back old games and the old properties that we had done at Atlas that have been sort of sitting out there being out of print and making new additions for them. But um, on the side, as well as being at Atlas, I have my own company now, which is called Magic Vacuum Design Studio. And uh, we had a good magic vacuum. It's a long story. Um, but we had a uh, successful Kickstarter earlier this year. Um, and by we, I mean me and my wife, which is pretty much all that I can really sustain. <laughs> so, but that is me. All right. Um, so that's, that's how I got into it with design and everything, and that's camp. And now, how did you, Pete, yeah. decide to do kind of get into publishing. To get into publishing, yeah. So, you know, one of the big things, it seemed like a lot of people in the room, you know, you have a game idea, you have a project, you want it to become something, you want to publish it, you want to put it out there. And what I learned in my journey was that three quarters of the way, or after you get the money, or right before it goes to print, you know, the big thing is, um, 
is this going to be one and done? And everyone who you meet in the industry is going to start asking you that because they want to kind of gauge where you are and they, they want you to start thinking because we all go through that phase. Because you can only make so much. I mean, how, how long is your design cycle? You're going to think, well, hey, I spent the last three years in this game or the last one year or two years. But once you have it, it's like the next level. Now I have to be the salesperson, the marketing person. I had to go convention to convention. I got to get it out there. I got to get people playing it. And unless you can afford to have employees or people to help you, or you can luckily get the volunteers to do it for you, um, you're going to have to do it yourself, and you just have that time crunch issue. But if you want to be, you know, Monty Cook Games or Atlas Games, you're going to need more than one product. Because otherwise, you're going to be a game company that makes something every three years. No one's going to remember your game company. They're just going to remember your games. So that becomes a choice of like, is this a career for you? Is this a long-term thing? Or are you just trying to make the one great game you want to do? Because once you go towards that step of being a publisher, you're, you're going to be invested in the whole marketing business side of it with, with a lot of that time that you used to go make games. And that's a big choice for you that you probably won't answer today. But you, you'll kind of feel like, oh wait, no, 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 I like making games, I like playing games. Um, but some of us are like, you know, I, I want to make more, and I want to help innovate, and I want the industry to grow, and to do that, I do have to become a brand. So, at least I think so. Danielle? <clears throat> so, uh, my perspective on that is actually a little different from Pete's, because I, I also want to see the industry grow and and contribute and stuff and I actually feel like the best way for me to do that because you know do I want to publish this whatever I'm making on my own and become a publisher on my own is like a big question in the back of my mind I have a company that like Mari started out as a large production company so I have a business already that's been done so I could just you know start making deals with publishers and send things to print and then I'm like there but do I want to do that? And the, the answer I think I have is, is that that will start taking up a bunch of my creative energy and I don't have the funds to hire people to help me do that. But I think that if I put all of my creative energy into helping other people with their already established game companies and they already have, and, and like you said, Pete, we're producing products. And so one of the ways that publishing companies produce more products is to get more creative designers into, I'm publishing not just my games, but I am publishing other people's games as well. And so while I'm growing maybe the Growling Door brand it's as a brand on its own, the games and the industry and stuff, like those games are mine, right? If I, if I publish through Growling Door, it doesn't make the game any less mine, right? The only thing I do is help shape Growling Door's brand but I still have a huge impact on what that brand looks like because my games now start representing their brand. So you can still have a huge impact on what the game industry looks like just by working with an already established publishing company. And they give you the benefit of already going through all of that like labor pains of birthing a new company. Mm -hmm. So, so do you question to you. <laughs> we, can, yeah. we can talk on the panel too. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like there's different kinds of being a publisher, right? Because yeah. you're talking about kind of being a publisher within a publisher. Sort of. Yeah. Um, like I don't, I don't want to talk to a printer. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I never want to have to talk to a printer. It's so nice to talk to them. I don't know what you're talking about. No, it's not that I have a problem with them. I just don't want to have to do that part of the job. Um, I hate layout. I, I tried it. I hate it. Every time I have to do it, my eyes bulge out, my, my head explodes, and then I pick it all up and I do it anyway because that's my job. Um, but it's not something I want to do all the time. And so having people who are established that do those things and working with people who do those things seems way more desirable to me yeah. than trying to do all that stuff myself. Yeah. Um, so paying someone or giving someone a cut of whatever profits my game makes so that they take care of that stuff sounds way more like what I am capable of doing. And I don't have to hire people because they're already kind of there. Somebody else already hired them for me, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. I, I guess I was looking at it like, you know, from being the publisher's side, but you're, we're also talking obviously about getting your game published. Right, yeah. right. I am not the publisher. Yeah, gotcha. Someone else is publishing it. So have you... 
sort of um, defined what publisher is before I got here? Like, did you say? No. No. So if we're I would say, feel free. Go yeah. ahead. Um, I think that the, the bare minimum is um, you make a game that other people can buy, right? Sure. So you are a publisher. If you're the one who creates the game and gets it out there for people to, to pick up, if you um, write up a a game scenario for a game that you really like that that people have offered up as a thing which people can make some stuff for, for example, an open game license. Um, like Fate, for example, if you have an amazing idea for a whole set of scenarios that you want to make, you don't want to make the game yourself, you don't care about that, but you have scenarios and you have characters and everything else, and you, you create 10 of those, and you want to publish them so that people can play them using the game that exists out there, you are a publisher. You have just made us something that people want to get, right? And even if you go straight to DriveThru or RPG Now or whatever kind of online service that does all that, logistics and handling of the income and the vendor and everything else and just upload a file and take the money, you are a publisher. If you work through someone else to do it, you're still a publisher. You're sub sure. subcontracting out yeah. essentially uh, with another publishing house or a group or other company. You don't even have to have a company to be a publisher, right? Sure. Because anyone can do that now. So that's the part that gets people confused is that, well, where do I start from being the person who just put a scenario on there for five bucks and, and gets about, you know, 20 bucks a month if I'm lucky, <laughs> to I've just spoken to, you know, Bang Printing up in Brainerd, Minnesota about a order of 5,000 copies of this new book that's full color, full bleed, blah, 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 I'm going to have it shipped out to different distributors. All of that stuff is a spectrum and all of it is publishing. And I think that that's where we're getting um, some confusion with people like, well, do I want to be one? You know, I don't know. How far do you want to be into this rabbit hole? Right? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I would define, because like, I don't know. What kinds of games do people have out there? Do you have board games or RPGs? Um, RPGs? That's mostly, so that's, a, and then board games. Because <laughs> they're very different ways yep. of yeah. publishing, yeah. and they're very different um, ways of strategizing. So I don't know. I've done, but I don't know. I want to tell you what you want to know. Um, um, <coughs> do you want to know things like how you go from zero to getting ISBNs and boxes and people in China making your game and getting on social media and marketing the game and getting forty thousand dollars on Kickstarter? Do you want to know that, or do you want, or are you just, are you here it's because It's like a weekend workshop, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to tell you five minutes, right. That might be a little beyond our mandate, yeah. but yeah. you know, we can, we can point you in the right direction. Yeah. So, so I guess that this is actually a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, let's go ahead and open things up to questions, and then we'll discuss from there. Uh -huh. uh, so, uh, I have a game. It is technically published, as it is available for purchase on DriveThruRPG. What the hell do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you want to do now? It's it. There's there's multiple there's multiple stretches to that. Like one, I have a game. I can put it in front of people and say, "This is what I'm capable of." Now, can I? Now, can I? You know, send this new game through you. And then simultaneously, on the opposite track, it, I have I have this existing game. How do I market it? So I guess it ends up being two buckets for the price of one. So I, I would like to market this to get it in front of more eyes, and then once I do, how can I leverage that to, you know, start from a more lucrative position for my next project? So it begins as a resume builder almost, right? That's not a bad way to think about it. You've, you've made a game and people can buy it, and that's great, and now is that a way to get more work for yourself or establish yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you going to keep it on drive through RPG and you want to market to drive people to the links on DriveThruRPG to download it, or are you thinking about um, turning it into a Pretty physical, a printed yeah. scenario with an ISBN that could be sold at game stores or sold at conventions? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I that's question number one. That yeah. Question as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, because that's that that to me is question number one because that's where you go from love the, the level of the, the entry level, which yeah. DriveThruRPG and GameCrafter makes really nice um, yep. for people to say, I've got a game, it's it's workable, it's playable, it's, it can be print on demand. But if you go, driving people to buy that on that current site is one strategy, but then moving it into this thing, this tangible thing that you carry with you in the trunk of your car, <laughs> and, <laughs> to convention. and go to conventions yeah. and buy in there with it is, is a whole nother, um, is a whole nother thing. So I mean, do, do you have a website? Do you have a blog? Do you have a um, social media presence? Um, 
struggling, but yes. Yeah, yeah. So go one step further too. Mm -hmm. is, so like when you say it is like a resume builder, mm -hmm. do you know what kind of resume you're trying to build? Like, are you good? Are you trying to be a game designer? Are you trying to be like, hey, this guy's a good writer. He's a good editor. He makes mechanics. It, you've got, you've got, the, you've got the right of it. I'm, I'm much like you are, where I love the idea of writing, editing, designing. Yeah. Uh, but I'm hot garbage when it comes to customer interaction. Well, and that kind of leads to the next <laughs> thing. Is, I mean, if no, it's trying to get you freelance work, <laughs> then it's not so much about making all this money back from the, right. the product. You know, the drive-through quality might be exactly what you're happy with. Right. Instead of going for like yeah. some kind of an offset print run or something that's going to be more quality, yes. you're not trying to be like, hey, look at what I made, like how pretty it is, and no. all the, the fancy bells and whistles. I'm like trying to make more rather than prettier. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I mean, some things you can do. What PDF can distribute. You know, if you get the game being played in places, particularly by people who want to play these games or people you'd be interested in maybe working for. Um, if it's not too much about like, making money, I mean, you can give out PDFs to reviewers. I mean, you're not you're not in this concern that a lot of publishers have, where they're like, oh, well, I'm losing money by handing out the product all over the place. In your case, you just want to make it so that you're not losing all the whatever investment you had, but at the same point, of really kind of getting your name out there. Exactly. So, I mean, you could have lower cost points. You can spread your PDF gloriously to every reviewer and podcaster who would who would take it. Um, put it run the game at places with any chance you have with designers or other people who might actually hire you. So, I'll get to you as soon as I... So it sounds like you're interested in breaking into this field. Yes. You're not necessarily interested in pushing through to your own publishing business at this time. I consider it a necessary evil at best. Um, yeah, I don't know that it's necessary. I think you might be okay at the level that you are okay. for now. Um, because marketing at this point is easy. Marketing is occasionally buying a banner. Marketing mm -hmm. is putting your game in the drive-through RPG sales. Um, you know, marketing is, is not... It's it, Facebook and Twitter and yeah. Google Plus. Yes, maybe. marketing is, I'd like to write for you. I have already written this thing. Please, you know, look at it as a writing sample and consider me when you next give out assignments. So, so that may have already done what you want it to do. And that is totally okay. Yeah. And you can come back to it later and decide, well, actually, I would really like to dress this up and get it out in print and do that somewhere else. And you can do that on your own, or you can work with an existing company and arrange a contract where they take on that work and a percentage of the gains in exchange for getting your book out there. Um, her first, yes. So when you are like working with a company versus self-publishing, like what amount of creative control do you give up to do that? Case by case, right? Super contract, case yeah. by case. Uh, my suggestion would be to not give up zero creative control. Um, <laughs> make sure that's in your. It's not possible, but make <laughs> as as close to zero as possible. And if you can reach zero, then fabulous. But like, uh, think of it like a movie. Like you have a movie and you have a producer, right? Uh, the producers, you're the director, you have a vision, you have this thing, but you need people to give you money to make it happen. And the producers always go like. But I need it to have a giant mechanical spider. <laughs> and you're like, but I don't, it makes no sense to have a giant mechanical spider. Well, I'm not going to give you money unless you give me a giant mechanical spider. And so are you willing to compromise and put a giant mechanical spider in it? And so that's kind of where you go when you're working with a company where they're like, well, we want all of our games to be family friendly. And you're like, well, I'm making this game about like existential horror and death in space. I'm not sure that that's family friendly. And they're like, well, unless you make it family friendly, we're not going to work with you. Yeah. And then you maybe you need a different yeah, publisher. That's, a, that's kind of a, a... Well, that's an extreme, Not right? a good fit, right? That's right, that's not a good yet. fit. But like, there may be something less extreme than that, right? Where they're like, well, you know, we have this about our company that we want to make sure that all of our games represent. And they're like, well, okay, like... That's fair, and I, I'm pretty sure I can make the game fall into that, right? And so, but they're still going to want to look over it and make sure that you're doing that thing. So you may, you may lose a little bit of creative control in that aspect, but you should try to have as much creative control as possible over your own product. Um, RPG or board game? Board game. Board game. So you want them to decide what it looks like. 
Yeah. The, they're gonna hire the artist. They're yeah. gonna hire the. They're gonna. They're gonna say, "What do you think?" Yeah, yeah. And you'll get to have some input, right? But the the artists are gonna be hired by them and paid for by them. They're yeah. gonna hire a developer who's gonna look at your game and see if it needs mathematical balance and other things, which may cause some of the mechanics to change. Usually, that makes your game better, and you want to be open to that because yeah. the usually what it's doing is it's streamlining it, right? Or it's making it more balanced, it's making it more playable, it's making it more marketable. Yeah. Um, but that makes changes and changes to your game. The, the, they decide on a card layout, and the card layout says it only fits 100 words, and your descriptions are all 150 <laughs> words. Now you have to tweak, you know. So I don't think that's necessarily loss of creative control as much as that is partnership with making a pretty, marketable, playable game that's going yeah. to sell. And yeah. you want your publisher to have people who have that expertise to take yeah. your generative idea into something that is, I mean, ideally, the relationship should make your game better. And, um, and if you hate the first art concept that they give you and you're like absolutely vehemently against it, you, know, you have the ability to push back um, yeah. and to go through. And they, they want to keep working with you too. Yeah, and you're like, this game is whimsical. And they present you this like, Blood dripping gore, <laughs> yeah, right. and you're like, this, no, this, this doesn't, not, this doesn't yeah. show my game. Does that help? Yeah, a little. Yeah. Okay. But also, I think one thing that is important is that in some cases, like with Atlas Games, mm -hmm. most of the games we make up are card and board games. I mean, I'm the yeah. this, the guy in the office who makes RPG stuff, and I'm I'm the old one out. But almost every board game we published in the last six, ten, twenty years or so has been the one that we normally had bought off someone. They sell it to us. Outright. And outright. Okay. And in some cases, we have a royalty arrangement where they want it because they have a name, or there's someone important in the industry who want to establish a name. Right. So their name is their brand, mm -hmm. and so they get their name on the box. But we end up publishing it. Mm -hmm. In that case, they get a little more creative control. Mm -hmm. But even in examples of the, like, we've actually had one game which we published called Three Chairs for Master, that we picked the name of the game, but they had a name that was called Dumb Minion or something, and we changed the name. <laughs> but all the artwork in the game is the, is the person who made the game. We oh, didn't, we didn't hire no artist because we thought this art was amazing. In fact, one of the reasons why we bought the game was the art was so good. So whenever you sell a game to a publisher, there's different ways that the contract will work out. And in some cases, they actually want this game because <coughs> of the mechanics have already been tested out. Maybe you kickstarted the thing and the whole thing is almost done. Um, some people now, what they're doing, publishers are sort of sweeping up kickstarters because the person has kickstarted, has funded it, it's gone up to everyone who, who backed it. But they don't have sufficient quantities to do anything else with it, mm -hmm. and they want to publish it, buy it, take it over, and sell it. And that's where we're finding that whole thing change. So it's it's very much like what you said, but I think in some cases the creative control stays with you even after you sell the whole thing to the box up the barrel. All right, you and then me. Related pair of questions: uh, How do you identify if a company like Atlas uh, is interested in having games shopped around to them? And how complete should the game be when you start to shop it around? Question. <laughs> uh, there are there are places. One of the ones that we like to go to uh, is Prudishbeal. One that's in Madison, Wisconsin. Also, it's in Minnesota, in the Twin Cities, um, in a few months. Prudishbeal. Prudishbeal. Uh, is a spiel for game. Um, Proto for you know isn't done yet. Uh, this this sort of thing, uh, Unpub is similar, these sorts of uh, conferences or conventions where you take games in process like here, mm -hmm. but British Bill is good for this because what happens is we go to those places and we see people who are trying out their games and we decide, you know, uh, this is the one we want to follow up on, we would like to buy this one, you seem like a person who has a good idea. Um, there's a lot more of us looking out there for things that we want to align with whatever we have in our product schedule already and less of just sending us stuff. Some people do send us things and we have a slush pile and what typically happens is uh, every week we have a Friday uh, afternoon, grab a game from the pile and play it and see if it's any good. Um, but each of us at Atlas will come up with something. Someone will go to a convention and hear about a game and then ask the person to bring it back and say, you know, I think we should publish this game, it's this, this, this. We used to have a thing where we would say, please send in your submissions, and there was a submission form and everything else. We're revamping our entire website eventually because that whole process kind of didn't make any sense to people. We never got them filled up properly. You never, no one ever did everything that we asked them to do. Um, and sometimes we would just get a thing. I, we once got a big board game fully made out of wood, 
and it was like, this is just like this game, except it has three of these things. And you're like, okay. <laughs> but we didn't know what to do. We didn't know. We couldn't send it back because we had to, you know, turn it around. And then we eventually we did. We said, look, you know, you want your game back? And I'm like, yes, I spent all my money on making that one prototype. Oh. Um, but, you know, and that's what you get. I think we ended up saying, please do not send us games unless we openly solicit. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time you'll find that with publishers is that they say, we're looking for games. But if you put yourself in a position where a convention like Postville or a place like Metatopia or anywhere where you know publishers go to, you're there, you know, that's better than trying to blindly send them out to publishers and say, please pick this up. Mm -hmm. uh, and here's a return address um, box to ship me my one prototype back with. Well, and there's also the thing of if you're, let's say you're doing an RPG, right? Um, if you know already that you want to do gumshoe, it makes sense to approach Pelgrane and see if they're open to submissions for another gumshoe game. Um, because you already know that they're invested in the brand, people who are looking for that kind of game are going to talk to them, and even if they don't you know, want your submission, they might know someone else who would be interested in working with you on it. So it's always a good idea to start those conversations and then see where it takes you. It's called, you know, it's halfway to networking. I just want to mention Cardboard Edison has a list of publishers if they're accepting submissions, what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Nice, yeah. So nice. Cam, does Atlas have any idea what they want? Like when it comes to like, if somebody was like, hey, what kind of game are you looking for? Would they be able to answer that question? Yeah, we okay. tend, in the past we've often said we like games where people at the table will communicate with each other. So if the game kind of tells a story, if the game lets you interact with other players at the table, if the game is kind of anywhere from PG to like, you know, or family to PG basically is the kind of area we're talking about. Um, we, we definitely would not take a game that was like, you know, this axe murder or the suicide game or yeah. anything. But we've done games before which are pretty bad, like Let's Kill is a game we published once. And Let's Kill is like stick figures that, that it's horrible and bloody. And <laughs> but I think we haven't really uh, settled at the moment on one that we that we specifically are looking for. We just see something and go, that sure. might be good. There are a lot of other proto spiels too, like other, a lot of major cities have those. Mm -hmm. I know by Chicago and you say Madison was in Milwaukee. Well, we're based out of St. Paul, and yeah. so I only know Madison and many of us. But I mean, yeah, there's lots of them. Um, we wouldn't be open if somebody sold one of our games and said they wanted to buy it. We'd be interested in that too, but we like the publishing process. One of our biggest problems is marketing, specific social media. We're all um, disabled in some way, shape, or form to the point where being on social media is problematic or painful for all of us. But we, we have profiles because communication purposes only, but it's, it's not something that any of us are capable of. So it's, that is a really big uh, barrier. We ran a Kickstarter, it failed, mainly because we didn't have the marketing. Right. Mm -hmm. And there it's, homes, we're trying to figure out what there, to do about there, So, I think Mari was about to say this, there are definitely people who just, that's their that's job, job. Yeah. that do social, social media management. Like, I have a friend who is a social media manager. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's a job? Mm -hmm. You just spend all day on Twitter and Facebook pasting mm -hmm. posts for your company? She's like, yes. yeah, get on. Yep. And, yeah, and, and there are people who that's their job, and you can either, like, try to work into the budget the ability to hire someone to do that, or, you know, I'm not going to suggest anybody work pro bono, but... <laughs> If you pull someone else into the team that has that ability and expertise, mm -hmm. um, we've looked and the development of the, the trap is that it's like we want to put money in the budget, but we need to succeed in the Kickstarter to have money in the budget. Well, that, and that's why I say like if you can find somebody else on the team who is invested in it working and like will accept, okay, well I'll work towards getting this, and if it succeeds, we get paid, yeah. and if it doesn't succeed, well we tried. I right? already done like never want to ask someone to do that yeah. that's not the right no. but if you sort of say you know looking for someone to we need some assistance for this right volunteers will be really great if you accept it yeah so I'll also suggest that there are free or very low cost options that you can do that don't require that you oversee them constantly 
Um, the first one is going to be, I'm going to recommend the site MailChimp, but it's far from the only kind of newsletter site that's out there, um, where you can do a mailing to people who are interested. Well, that's the big thing, like looking specifically, I'm actually dysgraphic. Cutting and untaping through is poor typing is a problem in the moment. I, I take, I'm going to write a post that'll take me three or four hours. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, the nice thing about the email, promotional emails, though, is they're short. You want them to be short. You want them to be mostly a picture, right? Mm -hmm. um, Facebook ads, same thing. Now, with Facebook ads, the way that they're targeted is going to make a huge difference in how useful they are. But there's a lot of online articles and other talk about how to create a profile and what to target to make those effective. Mm -hmm. So trying to find those resources, they're not going to be your marketing solution but they can be a way to kind of get started. So I would recommend looking more into those as much as you can. Um, also, ask around here because like, you know, there's a lot of people here who have more of that expertise and they can direct you to something more specifically. Okay. Right? Are people interested in talking about marketing? Okay, a fair amount of nods. Okay. One little side note just yeah. to throw it into you that I didn't really see until like, you know, I was on this side of the table was that, um, those kind of positions, you know, you, it sounds like a job, but I, I see a lot of times now it's like, okay, and it can be, but I mean, when those are solicited, they'll be like, hey, do you have five hours a week? Or like, do you have 10 hours a month to do social media for my game company? And that does sound a lot less daunting than from your side being like, oh my God, I need one person who's going to do this and they need compensation as if it was their only job. And then when you look at it that way, like, okay, maybe it's an hour a day or, you know, something like that, that doesn't, people already do that with social media. So yeah. you're just getting them to do, like, also switch to your account and do it, you know, so, okay. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, what's the range in terms of best case to minimum case of an economic deal with a publisher, you know, whether it's an advance, a royalty, an outright purchase, just curious. And our application is we're, we're a card-based game that's a cross between apples to apples and cards against humanity, yeah. and it's a character-based game. So I'm just curious. I mean, we were going to take the path of being self-publishing and just do this stuff ourselves because we have a team of people that can do that, but we're open to, you know, does it make sense, it's like a buy-build, you know, does it make sense just to kind of deal with someone? So what's the range of a best case to a medium or a worst case, where you said you don't even do a publishing deal versus it may make sense? You were in a, a period of time when there were still people looking to try and pick up games of that nature, right? The, okay. Apples to Apples and Cards Against Humanity, those sorts of games, a lot of publishers are trying to get their own specific one. To, to enter that market because there's a sort of a need, uh, perceived popularity for that. Um, however, you, it's coming up to the point where that starts to become like a thing that people will stop doing as a publisher. Right. Unless you've got something which is a twist that they think is cool. Um, like, you know, we had um, a Green Renine put out one that was uh, Love to Hate, which is a great one because it doesn't have, it specifically was trying to say this is not a, a game that makes you upset with your family and, and there's no obscene <laughs> things and other kinds of awful stuff. But, I mean, Cards Against Humanity is a, is a business model you cannot replicate because the, the people who did that don't do it looking in any sort of sense like the people who would do anything else in the entire publishing business, right? And so people who've tried to copy that model can't do it, but the game itself, they're trying to get similar ones. So I would say that what you want to do is look into whether you think it's feasible to try self-publishing. But if you do go for the model, you want to try and find a way that you can sell this to someone and have them take over the, the actual everything, right? Because you don't want to be left with some kind of thing where you're trying to make them happy with something and then they hand it back to you and saying, we just can't do it, and a year has passed and they haven't finished it, and you haven't had it published. Because that's what's happened with some games. Sometimes people say, well, let's have a thing and we'll develop it, we'll work on it. A year goes by, oh, we're still doing it. We haven't found the perfect artist yet. And you're like, come on, I want this game to come out. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, you could have had your own team do it and the whole thing. So unless they buy it from you and you get money now, right, whichever amount of money you guys settle on and say, that's great, let's make our next game. Um, unless you do that, you don't want to and sort of like count on it being a really rapid process. And as to the financial, like, you know, how much money to how much money, there's, all over the place. There, it's really all over the place. <laughs> There's no good like metric high, to give you. Is it a high end for an outright purchase? Is it like twenty five, fifty, ten thousand, five thousand, or on the high end as opposed to you know? I'm just, you come I have no with all idea. the art. Who has to create all the art and the design? You know, let's say it's all it's all good to go. It's all the art's done. Everything. And, you know, with some tweaking and all that. Which is, you know. 
Um, the way to look at that is like how much do you think each unit would cost to make, and multiply that by how many you think we want to print, and then add on whatever kind of production time you think you have put into it in terms of hours and cost per hours, and get that as a budget and say that's how much it cost us to make this. That's how much we would like. And then you can go down backwards from that because then you'll end up having to not pay for the cost of printing anyway. And they'll do the cost of printing and so you can kind of go closer to what your actual production hours cost was. But at the end of the day, you don't want to end up selling the game to people for less money than it costs you sure. as a group to make it. Yeah. That's your absolute zero. Right. And if you get that and they want to go less than yeah. no. It's a cost benefit analysis. Yeah. Yes. So if I'm designing an RPG and I'm planning on finding my own artists, my own writers, having it basically ready to go, and then I, what if I want to have somebody else handle the actual shipping and talking with individual game stores and that sort of thing? Is that something that's feasible, or yeah. is that okay? They're a, comp they're a publishing company. Is that a publishing company you're looking for, or um, at that point you're going to be looking for a company that has multiple games out in multiple lines um a lot of times actually like mid-tier companies are a little bit better from that because large companies tend to be very invested in their lines and their productions right. um and that's what all their resources are going toward because they they know how to do that right, right. that's they don't have to risk any money on that they already know what's going to sell yeah. mid small companies don't have the resources really they're just working on their own thing Mid-tier companies have multiple games lines out. Oftentimes, you'll know that somebody has worked with uh, designers on the kind of scale that you're talking about because they'll have one-off or two-off lines, um, and they'll have like a stable of designers that are associated with that, but their name is actually out there. Magpie, uh, for example, regularly goes on with contracts um, and talks about like you know like. What are you bringing to the table? Um, what have you already done? What do you still need done? And all of that goes into the contract that you figure out at the end. So for example, um, I'm working on that with Growling Game, Ground Door Games right now uh, with an individual who knows that he does not want a publishing company. He has a game, he'd like to see it get to market, but he'd also be happy running his Patreon if that's the decision he had to make. Uh, so we're going to take on Layout, art, design, printing, and then distribution, right? That's all going to be us. And as a result, he's getting like a small cut, but we're getting most of the profit because we're undertaking most of the risk. If he came to us with a game, you know, his is all written, but everything else is going to be. If his game was already produced and we were just putting it through our distribution, our cut would be much smaller, right? right. Because he's undertaken a lot of the expense and the work and it's a done product, basically. So that is going to be a contract-by-contract contract basis, and it just depends on where you're at with the game. Awesome. And like fulfillment, you can get separate, but it sounds like you're going to want to publish on the second end, where they got to work out distribution deals, get it to retail, right. make all those web pages for you know IPR and every single individual. They always have different formats, and yeah, that becomes time. Consuming. Yeah, that all sounds like something that I don't everyone has had to do that at some point though uh, yeah. before they become good at that right sure and that is the truth of almost anything you know I've never hired an artist before well yeah neither did I until I started hiring artists so it's important to note like so growing door games is myself and my husband and he has a lot of experience on the development end um, and writing end. I have a lot of experience on writing and editorial and some art direction. Neither of us can lay out anything to save our lives. <laughs> so, and neither are we particularly good with books. So our answer to that, and by books I mean like accounting books. So our answer to that is to place an accountant on retainer and to place a layout guy on retainer, right? And the layout guy on retainer is a little bit of a less common thing, but effectively we pay $100 a month uh, to these people and that means that they're ready and they'll consider our work um, and if they don't have anything else going on they'll you know they'll let us know when they can schedule stuff they'll do small things for us like make a banner you know uh, without us having to go through the whole thing and then for large projects we contract on top of that right and that lets us have a professional product for something that we don't know how to do ourselves and it would be terrible 
if we actually took it on because neither of us are really talented in that area. So you can have publishing and not have it do everything, right? Or you can kind of offload that. It just depends on what your comfort level is with it and how much money you're willing to put into it to get that thing done. Um, so can, can any of you speak on tabletop gaming publishing? So I'm, I'm the manufacturer. I'm sourcing from manufacturers, you know, bringing stuff in. Now I gotta get start this um, road to the distributors. Can any of you speak about starting that process and, and gaining traction with distributors as being, you know, basically a, a nobody in business? Like you gotta win them over. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes and and, and, and you know, is Consolidator the right direction to go? <coughs> Us. Sometimes to begin with, they want to see whether you're up to that and if your product can move. Yeah. So they don't want to take a whole bunch of stuff and nothing happens and end up taking real estate. So consolidation is pretty good because then they, they sell whatever um, you, they sell and then they can return or you can take back all the stuff that doesn't. So someone like IPI does that, I think, consolidation mostly. Yeah, yeah they would argue with that term, but that's effectively the thing. Um, the thing to know about traditional distribution is that traditional distribution is um, problematic, changed over time. It's not the same thing that it was in, say, the 80s or even the 90s, right? There's not as many companies that do it, and they tend to be fairly picky about what they pick up. They want you to have multiple titles. They want you to have multiple titles that sell over time. You are not going to go out and get ACD to pick up your first game. It's not going to happen. Um, IPR with you know indie indie uh, press revolution uh, is much more likely to pick you up um, and see how things go. They may not carry you forever if your stuff doesn't move, but they'll give you a shot. Drive through RPG. Um, if your your odds of being picked up by IPR improve if you have a track record on drive through RPG okay. and selling print on demand. Um, so that they know that their things are going to move. So, so really, it's an ongoing process, right? Where you're trying to get word of your company out there. You're trying to prove that you're stable, and you're trying to prove that you're going to have effectively a publication and revenue stream that they're going to want to be a part of. Was right? it board game, card game, or role playing game? Uh, board and card game. Yeah. I do think that's. Easy. I, I would. I would say let's call them board games because yeah. if you had done a Kickstarter, for example that was wildly successful, they'll welcome to you sometimes. You know, that's one of those things where they, someone will email you or contact you for Kickstarter and say, do you have a publisher, a uh, distributor hooked up yet? And you're like, well, just considering our options, you know. And like, no, I haven't got anyone set up. Mm -hmm. um, that's because, like Michelle was saying, they've seen something that may, might make them some money as well and would like to sort of buy into that in some way. Last question. So, to to carry on from that. At that point, then why why do you want a publisher if you've got it and you're going and you're going on your own and you're, you've got, once you've proven the revenue ability, why would you then go to a publisher for, for the rest? Why would you just finish it out on your own? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's full-time work. Yeah. There's a point at which you move from I have I have this Kickstarter, I have a game, I've got this prototype and I've gotten it out to the people and everything to I have an ongoing business concern with all of the stuff that goes into business concern, taxes, um, hiring people, whether it's freelance or, or you know, more of an employee basis or contract, um, marketing, yeah. inventory, fulfillment, all of that goes into it. And once you get into print, there's that jump, right? Because PDFs, you don't have an inventory for, but, but once you get into print for board games, for card games, for RPGs, there's suddenly this jump where it becomes this ongoing, sustaining effort, right? Not everybody wants to make that leap because it is an effort and it takes away from your ability to design additional games, right? When you're trying to move all your backstock, you kind of have to give that a focus and maybe not work as much on the designing part, which may be what you really love, right? I really love having a publishing business. I also like designing. But I would pick up other stuff from other people and publish it because I think that's awesome and I like making books. A lot of people feel the opposite. 
right? And so part of what you do when you have a game and you're trying to get it to press is figure out where do I fall on this spectrum, right? You, like my friend that I'm talking to about maybe publishing, he does not want a publishing business. He's been looking at this for like six years now and he has figured out that he is not happy when he's trying to do all of the publishing stuff. It eats up his time, it stresses him out, it's yeah. more money than he wants to put into it. He's not gonna do it anymore. He's fine if I do it, but, <laughs> but that's not a thing that he wants to do. So if that doesn't strike you that way, then you may just wanna have your own business and yeah. keep going with it and be that publisher. Um, but if you find that this feels like swimming upstream and it's never like rewarding to you, maybe it's not what you want to do. You so, can do it. Do you, you, if, you want to, if you want to do it, you do, there are what you can get. WordPress websites, they don't cost you know, anything. You get somebody who knows their way around WordPress, you can make one that looks good. You can use Square Store. Square stores are, are free and, and mm -hmm. cheap. And, Shopify and, even. Yeah, and sh or Shopify. Or, yeah. um, Amazon, will we'll, you can set up a seller's account on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, they're ship naked in New Hampshire. will take your stock. I know it's a hilarious name. <laughs> um, but they will they will take your stock, and they, when you get orders, you send them the, you don't have to touch it. You send them to them, and they'll do it. They charge you a monthly fee and a per, per, per item pick fee. You know, to do. I mean, you can do it without it costing a lot of money, but you have to have a marketing strategy in place, or you're just sort of building this. You You've know, got an amazing lovely house that no one will live yeah. in. Yeah, it's an incredible infrastructure that no one sees. Yeah, but I mean, and it's you don't have to have massive corporate things to set up an independent publisher, and you can link through. Uh, we have a, we have a, we have games on GameCrafter and Drive Through RPG, but we actually they, they don't sell for us. They don't really sell there. They actually come through our site now because we have enough. Of them. But um, but you can do these things fairly cheaply, but um, and you don't have to have them in your car or in your closet if you're paying for um, for a fulfillment center. But as Michelle was saying, it becomes your life, right? <laughs> and you're like, okay, so I still have a hundred games, you know. I guess I put them on sale, and and um, I have to fill out the tax forms, and I have to do the things. And so it, it's it's rewarding, but if you're if you're if you're about the creative part of the game, and you add this to you, you now have to have a balance. Um, or you have, or you split it with somebody. Yep. But like, do you want to build community? Because you might have to go out there and take your game to people and put it in front of them and run them games, which means going all over the country and like you probably have a day job. You know, like there's just <laughs> you're adding more jobs. Well, some people don't yeah. like that, like standing. In front, you're yeah. selling your game. Mm -hmm. Like you have to yeah. stand there and hey, do you want to play my game? Yeah. And they're like, no, I'm going to get a hot dog, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, and that's very yeah. If different. that hurts your soul, if that hurts your soul, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so when you when you become when you get into publishing, you are in business, and you need to and you have to have that business mind, and you have to realize you're selling, and you realize you're marketing, and you realize all of these things that are that are counter to I want to I want to create things, <laughs> right? And so so if you can split, right, then you, we're almost done. Yeah. So. Think about where you fall on that spectrum. Feel free to network and ask questions. And no judgment, man. Wherever you are happy, you are happy. And we totally support you in this. Thank you so much. Thank you to my fellow panelists.